Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello again. This is Dolores Cannon with the Metaphysical Hour. And... I'm still doing it by myself right now. We're going to have guests later in the month. But if anybody that knows me, with 13 books out there, I have plenty to talk about. And I can always find some kind of a subject to uh, to bring up anyway. <laughs> but it is strange when I sit here in my office just talking to the wall when I'm used to speaking to audiences. But... Um, we're going to have another subject tonight, but let me give out the telephone numbers first in case anyone does want to call in. For those in the States that want to call in, the number is 1-888-268-4313. 1-888-268-4313. Those overseas who want to call in in other countries, the number is one two eight one four one nine seven six nine seven. One two eight one four one nine seven six nine seven. Right. <clears throat> I've got so many different subjects with the different books, but I didn't want to start on some of them until I could continue every week. Like I did try to finish up the Jesus material, and I tried to do a lot about the life after death. And some of the other ones are going to be a lot more information, so I'm going to want to do those step by step and continue each week so that I can get the all the information in. But tonight, it's rather a continuation of the life after death, but it's going off in a different direction. Tonight I want to talk about non-human bodies, when you can have lifetimes in other bodies besides those that are the physical body that you're familiar with. You know, a lot of people are so uh, into this physical body, they don't realize that uh, you can have other lives. And some of them, just to think that they've had one other lifetime, really blows them away. They said, you mean I've been here before, I have been alive before, and that's about all that their minds can handle at that time. Of course, I've gone way beyond that now. I'm into all the other different kinds of lives you have had, and I've taken people through as many as 30 earth lives. 
But then I began finding even that was still just scratching the surface. You must remember, you are not a body. You have a body. This physical body you're wearing right now is just like a suit of clothes. You put it on for this lifetime, and you wear it through this entire lifetime. But like any suit of clothes, eventually it's going to wear out, and it's going to get ragged, and you're going to have to throw it away. No matter how attached you get to it, eventually you will have to go on and get rid of this body. And all you do after you have the period of rest and consultation and everything on the other side, then you just find another suit of clothes, another costume that you're going to put on to wear in the next lifetime. And that's all it is because the real you, the real part of you is the soul, the spirit. That's the part that we're more concerned with, not the outward costume that you wear each time you step upon this stage that we call Earth. And that's all it is. It's just a stage. You play different parts. It's a game. No matter how we get wound up we get into it and how uh, serious we take it, when we go to the other side, we can look back and say, well, it was just, just a game. When I've taken people through their lives and they go to the other side, they look back and they say, it's just like a stage play. I can see all of the actors in the wings getting ready to come on stage to play their parts. But they said when I was there, it was so serious and I was so involved in it. But now when I'm over here, it's like the blink of an eye. And they could see that it was just like a game. Well, I like to think of it, and what I've wrote about is that it is like a school. We come here to learn lessons. Not all the lessons are easy. Many of them are very hard. But that's all part of learning. We come to learn lessons. And this is a school where you can might have to, to fail a grade and go backwards, but you cannot skip a grade. So the main thing is to do the best you can. So the next time around, you go into a different type of lesson, and maybe it'll be easier, maybe it won't. But at least it'll be a different one. And hopefully you've learned enough that you become evolved enough that you'll keep moving up the ladder, and each lifetime won't be as difficult as the one you've just come through. But many people do take on a great deal of responsibility and karma that they want to pay back. And you know, I've found there are more souls in line for the handicapped bodies than for the normal bodies. Many more souls lined up for the handicapped, the disabled bodies, than the normal ones. And I think if you think about that, it's like, why? Why would that be so? Well, how much are you going to really learn if you were in a class where everything was easy? All the homework and, and all of the lessons that you had to go through in that class were so easy, you were just skating through it. What would you really learn? Not a whole lot, anyway. You might be having an easy time of it, 
but you're not really learning a lot. You learn a whole lot more when there's obstacles, when there's difficulties put in your way. But souls that are in line for the handicapped bodies, many of them have a lot of karma they want to repay. And they decide to come back in a handicapped body because they found you can repay as much karma in that one lifetime as a handicapped and a disabled that would normally take you ten lifetimes to pay back. Because uh, it isn't that easy. But look at what they're teaching people. And we have found that before they come back, they do make an agreement on the other side, not consciously with the people here. The parents, they're not going to consciously remember these contracts and the ones that they've agreed to. But the soul coming in has already made a contract with the parents, the mother and the father, that they will be their parents and they will take care of them. And it may be repaying karma from many lives back. We never know. But they make this agreement, and they also know that the child is going to be handicapped, disabled, retarded, whatever it is. And they make the agreement to come back, when the, when the child comes back, to take care of this child and lead it through the lifetime. And this will be a lot of very important repaying of karma. We wouldn't know the reasons unless we went into each individual case and why this had to be repaid. But the parents that take care of the handicapped child, the disabled child, the retarded child, look at what they learn from this. They may not realize when they're in the middle of it, in the difficulties, but they are repaying. Uh, they're learning a great deal, a great deal of lessons from taking care of this child. Also, when you see someone that is handicapped, when you see a retarded child, how do you react? How does it affect you when you see these people? They are teaching everyone they come in contact with, everyone they meet, everyone that sees them on the street, they are teaching all of them something. Do you recoil and not want to even look at these kind of people? Or do you try to understand? Do you maybe have too much sympathy and, and have pity? Whatever it is, it's a lesson that they have volunteered to teach people, anyone that they come in contact with. And that is the main thing, is how do we react? The ideal situation, once you know about uh, reincarnation, once you know about karma and repaying debts, the ideal situation would be when you see someone like that, is just to think, gee, they really took on a hard one this time. I wonder what happened that put them into that position. But you have to admire them for agreeing to come into a body that's misshapen and genetically something is wrong with it. You have to admire them that they have chosen this and they've really taken on a difficult role this time around. But once you can start thinking that way, you can look at them entirely different. You can see them as a soul instead of the 
the, the costume that they are wearing at this time, the outer shell. You can see them as a soul within that body. This is what it's all about, learning to look at people and see them in a different way. Once you have accepted the teachings of reincarnation and the rules and what it's all about, there can be no judgment and there can be no prejudice. Because how do you know you weren't that race or that um, religion in another life? And how do you know you're not going to be that race or that religion if you are too judgmental and too prejudiced? Because that would be the way that you would have to repay it. Be one of the most valuable ways that, that next time around you would be the very thing that you are prejudiced against. This is why you learn how to balance all of this. And this is really all that Jesus was trying to teach us anyway. Love thy neighbor. Love everyone. Because you don't know what they've been through and what they're signed up to go through. What's that old saying? You don't know about anyone until you've walked in their shoes. So you don't want to judge because this is their time around. You have yours and you're learning lessons as you go. But some people, just to think that they've had one life as a human being, is startling enough. If they only knew the real truth. Because what I've found... You have many, many other lives that are non-human before you get to the point where you are a human being. This is kind of like the last step on Earth anyway, in the earthly, what do you want to call it, the, um, not evolution, it is the different pecking orders, the grades you have to go through. Because I have found before you are finished, with life, and you can go to the other side and stay there, you have to be everything. And that means everything. You have to learn the lessons of absolutely everything as you move through life. And it was kind of startling when I began to find this out in my my sessions I do with people. As you must remember, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've done thousands and thousands of people. So eventually, I guess I am going to find just about every possible life you can think of. And it is interesting when you can do this, and you have to have an open mind. In the beginning, when I began to come across non-human life, it was a little startling. But I found you have to be everything. This means... Starting at the very basic level, you have to be gas. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have to be part of the atmosphere. You have to be an element like that. The way I discovered this 
was I had a young man who wanted to go back to the very first life he had ever lived on Earth. And naturally, I thought it was going to be a caveman or something like that, something primitive. This story is told in my book, Legacy from the Stars. But I naturally thought it was going to be that kind of a life, a primitive lifetime. But he went back to the time when the Earth was still forming. It did not have life on it yet. There was volcanoes erupting. There was no vegetation. The air was poisonous. It had ammonia in it. There was no way any kind of life, plant life or humans or animals, could possibly have evolved at that time because the earth was still cooling down. The atmosphere was not right yet for people to even think about humans or animals living in that kind of uh, gases. So his job, along with many others, was to be part of the air. And his job was to clean the chemicals from the air, especially ammonia, to gradually bring the earth to the point where life could exist on it. And that seems hard just to understand, but even in a gaseous form where he's communicating with me, he still had a personality. He still was, I don't want to say human, but what I mean is he was able, he had a personality, he was able to talk to me and tell me what it was like. <laughs> and when he wasn't screening the atmosphere to clean out the chemicals so that it could begin to, the gases would stabilize so that life could form, when he wasn't doing that, he was going in and out of the lava that was coming out of the volcanoes and having a wonderful time experiencing the the lava and the heat and everything. <clears throat> so it was um, an exciting life for him anyway. So this could have gone on for eons of time. Can you imagine when people say, well, what time periods were these? It's impossible to put a date on this. The scientists know somewhere back there when the earth was forming and it was still hot and it didn't have life on it, but it's so many billions and billions of years back, it's just about impossible to put any kind of a date on it. So it was way out of our time frame anyway. So you can imagine how many eons of time this personality would have been there on this job he was assigned to clean the air. Then eventually, the air and the earth began to calm down, began to cool down to where plants began to form. And it was the very first of life to appear. And in that story, he talked about how he saw the first life of plants forming and he wanted to go and experience what those were like. And then it talked about the first life forms in the water. So as I worked with him, he went through all the different steps till he finally became what he would consider to be a human, although it was more animalistic. As he said, his teeth didn't work right, and he didn't know how to talk. He was more or less making grunting noises. These were the first life forms that were beginning to come to Earth. 
but he did experience this first life as gas, as air, as part of the atmosphere. And what's so strange about that, really? Because each life, even something like that, was a learning process. It was to learn something. I've also had two people now in the last year. This is all, a lot of this material is going to go in the new book that I'm working on, book three, Convoluted Universe, book three. I've had two people went back to where they were part of the ocean. They were part of the water. And they were no land at that time. It was just water encompassing the entire earth. And they talked about what it was like to be water, to be so big. They said you can't imagine how big the ocean is, how big the water is. They were part of this. There was no limitations. It was extremely beautiful. So those were several cases where people were elements. I guess you would say. It's hard to say if they were a chemical or if they were an element or what. But they are the very basic form of life on the planet. After you have experienced the gaseous life, then the next thing you have to do is be rock, dirt. You have to know what that is like. Some of these concepts may be difficult for some people to understand. But everything is alive. Even a rock is alive. It just vibrates at a slower, a deeper uh, frequency. Everything is energy. Everything is alive. It's all vibrating at different vibrations and different frequencies. Therefore, a human being is vibrating at a different frequency than a rock or a table or a tree. That's why they said, if it wasn't vibrating at this different frequency, you could put your hand right through a table, right through a wall. If you knew the frequencies it was vibrating at, it would be possible to do that. It becomes dense and hard to us because it is vibrating at a different frequency. So I have had people go back to where they were a rock. And they said it was very slow. <laughs> Everything seemed to be slowed down and taking such a long time. But that was what it was like to be a rock. It's up to you. What do you think these people learned? We all went through this. What do you learn from being a rock? I think in these lifetimes they probably wouldn't have been there too long before they moved on to the next stage. But after being rock, then you have to be plant. You have to know what is it like to be a rose? What's it like to be an ear of corn? What is it like to be a blade of grass? I've people experience these lives, and it is very amazing to hear their descriptions. The one that went back to where he was an ear of corn said it was very nice to just sit down there in the wind and have the breeze blowing around him and moving in the wind. And it was very nice and very peaceful. Of course, he's not thinking ahead to the time when he would be picked and probably eaten because by that time his life would have been over anyway, just a very short life. 
And here again, he would change suits of clothes, he would change costumes. But he described what it was like to be an ear of corn. Then another one described what it was like to be a flower. It was a very beautiful experience to feel the petals and the the great the green around them. It was another ex- beautiful experience to be a plant. But then after that, many of them became animals. And this seemed to be the next logical progression. Next thing you would be would be an animal. What would it be like to be a bird and fly through the air with complete freedom? What would it be like to be a wolf and be able to run? All of these lives were learning something from it. And I've had the most amazing lives of people who have been different animals. And I've seen their perspectives. It's something you wouldn't even think about. One that I thought was very fascinating that I've had in the last year was someone to a lifetime as an eagle. And she was sitting on the nest, which was way on the edge of the nest, way up in the mountains on a cliff, looking out over the valley floor. And she had a chick that she had just hatched out, it wasn't very old, in the nest behind her. And she was looking out over the valley floor of a desert-like area, just looking for any sign of food. And she said their ice, her eyesight was so keen, she could pick up any movement from high up on this cliff. She could pick up the tiniest movement of a rabbit or anything on the valley floor. Their sight was that keen. Now, what was interesting was, as she looked along the horizon, the mountains, the scenery, it would look pretty much the way we see things. But if a movement would catch her eye on the floor of the valley, suddenly it would become red. Everything would look red, and she could zero in on movement very quickly. And I'm kind of wondering if this is like uh, some of the scientists perceive uh, infrared. I don't know. I don't really, how do we really know what a bird sees? A scientist can dissect it, but how do they really know what it sees as it looks at something? Well, she saw a rabbit running across the valley floor. Everything took on a reddish hue, but she wasn't interested in flying down and getting the rabbit because she said her chick wasn't making any sound, so she knew it wasn't hungry. So she ignored it and let it go. They wanted to know if it looked like that during the day, what they look like at night when they're looking out. We hear about birds, owls, different night birds being able to see in the dark. What do they perceive it? And she said if it's night and she's looking for something, everything would take on a greenish hue and she would be able to see the heat given off by anything that was alive and moving. This, to me, was startling. This sounds just like these night goggles 
that the soldiers wear. When you look through them, everything takes on a greenish hue, and you can see the heat that bodies are giving off. This is exactly what this eagle was, was picking up. And I thought it was fascinating, because to me, it's not just, oh, I had a life as a bird. I want to know, what does that bird, what does that animal experience? What are, how are they perceiving things? Of course, that's my insatiable curiosity. I always want to know everything about everything, and I ask so many questions. But um, I had someone else who was a spider. Now, first, you would you know, think later when she woke up, it was like, I was a spider? What in the world? You know, it doesn't sound very good. But... He described how a spider could see. Now, if you really looked at spiders, you know, in the, the science books, they have many eyes. And as she looks through these many eyes, she said they don't look through all of them at the same time. It's like looking through a lot of TV sets. And you focus on the TV set that you want to look through. And you're able to have a full range of motion of uh, eyesight that way. Not quite 180 degrees, maybe 90 degrees, but you're able to focus on one part of the whole picture to focus in on one of those eyes to see what's out there. Not at all what we would think, and I don't know if the scientists have even figured this out, but that would be the way that the spider could see and detect movement, because he detects movement, it would be out of one of these little TV cameras, maybe way down on the left-hand side of one of these eyes that they're looking through. But it was also explained to me the same thing happens with a fly. A fly has a different kind of eyes, all made up of all these different facets. And when they look through it, it's the same thing. You're seeing all of these different parts of something reflecting through different facets. And they distinguish which one of these they want to focus on. And that is the one they uh, look through and, and concentrate on, I guess you would say. Well, to me, this is fascinating to find that this is the way... Uh, animals operate. And I think this would be valuable to anthropologists, to those who study animals, scientists, because I don't think anyone really wanted to know how does do animals see? How do they perceive? I've had, oh, I had an interesting one just uh, about a month or so ago <laughs> for the woman when we first went into the past life with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of this happens spontaneously. You never know where anybody's going to go. I take them back to the most appropriate lifetime 
for them to experience as relating to problems in this lifetime. So I have no idea where they're going to go. Even if you were going to lead someone, how in the world could you lead them to kind of a life? But <laughs> just a, a few weeks ago, this woman, when she went into the life, she was on a leaf on a tree. And I'm always asking questions like, okay, now, what is this? You don't just say, oh, this is crazy. They're not a person. They're not in the physical body. I want to know, well, what are you experiencing? Well, as she was talking, the leaf fell off the tree and fell into a stream that was flowing at the bottom of the tree. And she's on this leaf. Then she suddenly figured out what she was, and she said, oh, my gosh, I'm a worm. I'm a little yellow worm, and I'm floating on this leaf. And she said, I don't have any arms. There's nothing I can do. I can't help myself. All I have is these little stubby legs. And as the leaf floated down the stream, she began to get scared because she said, what if a bird comes along and eats me? And as she rode the stream, and you imagine what that would have been like, even if something that tiny, it would be the equivalent of being on a boat, being tossed back and forth across uh, rapids or something. But to her, it was the same sensation, only it was on a tiny little worm on a leaf. And she said, I was just having a good time eating the leaf. But she said, I picked the wrong leaf because it fell off and here I am in the water. And uh, we went through the whole story to where she uh, she almost capsized and almost went off in the water. And finally, she came to the edge of the shore where she was able to crawl up onto the, the bank. But it was all of these things were trying to teach something. This is why I'm going to have a whole chapter on non-human bodies in the next book that I write. But here was someone who was a, a, just a little worm. But I've had people be animals. I've had them be wolves. I've had them be all kinds of things. I had one be a giant bird, which must have been like a dinosaur. And she was very, in dinosaur times, I guess you would say, it was a big giant bird. And she was very protective of her eggs she had just laid because she said there aren't many, many of us left. We have to protect the ones that are we have because they're just a, like a dying species. And I had another one who went to a lifetime where she was a mammoth. Those huge animals that look like elephants. It was a mammoth. All she could sense was that her body was so big and huge. And when she would try to walk, her, her legs were just so heavy and big. And it was this feeling of weight. So you, they were actually experiencing what it would be like to be these different species, different animals. And um, I had one went to a life where he was a monkey. I don't know if it was baboons or what it was, baboons or gorillas, but they had like a clan to where they had a main um what would you say? Chief, I guess. You know, the main uh, monkey who was the head head of the whole group of monkeys. And it was a very pleasant life. They're swinging around in the trees, eating bananas, enjoying themselves. 
until one day something happened to this main monkey, the one that they depended on. And he died, and he was laying there on the ground. And the other ones are coming over and nudging him and hitting him, trying to say, well, why don't you get up? They couldn't understand that he was gone, that he was dead. And it was like uh, panic for a while, like, what do we do now? He's the one that took care of us and told us what to do. So we were seeing all of these things from the eyes of a, these simple creatures, but that was all they could handle at that time. And all that, uh, the lesson had to be a very simple lesson as they progressed through these things. They've not found anyone ever going backwards on this ladder of life. I suppose it's possible. I know some religions believe that you come back as an animal. I've not found that because I've found once you get through the animal part, there's no reason to have to go back to that again. If you learn it, definitely don't want to regress. You want to go forward and go up the ladder, not backwards. But I suppose it could happen if there was a reason, if there was something they needed to learn. It has been suggested, suppose someone was very cruel to animals. Maybe they would have to regress to be an animal to see the other side of it. So I suppose anything is possible, but I'm going by the rules that I have found in my work. Some very interesting ones where people were sea creatures. In fact, I just had one this week where someone went back to where they were a sea creature. And none of this surprises me anymore. A lot of hypnotists say they've never had anyone have a non-human body. But maybe they don't do as many people as I do, have as many clients, there's many different cases. And when I'm teaching my classes, I bring this up about non-human bodies. And some of the people say, the hypnotists, even though they've been doing it for many years, that I've never had anyone go to a lifetime other than being in a physical body. I've had many, many. Some of them are the most fascinating are these sea creatures. The one I just did this last week uh, said she she was coming into the life and she was coming down on the ocean. And I was thinking, well, she's probably going to come into a ship or a boat and be a sailor or something like that in the past life. Instead, she kept on coming down until she went through the water and was underneath the water. So I was thinking, well, this definitely doesn't sound like a, a sailor in a boat unless we'd come in on the last day of their life and they're drowning. Like I said, anything is possible with this kind of work. But I wanted to know about her body. And she said, um, well, I see fins. I'm not sure if I'm a fish or if I'm a seal or something like that. So, well, one way to find out, I wanted to know if she was under the water, could she breathe under the water? She said, yes, but only for a limited time. Then I have to come to the top of the water, which meant that she would have been a mammal of some kind. Turned out that she was a whale. But she was not a very big whale, a small whale. And 
she was enjoying herself swimming around, eating fish, no cares in the world, and she saw a boat. She didn't know what a boat was. It was the first one she had ever seen. At first, she saw it from the underneath side of the boat, out of curiosity. I think it must have been a small boat that was had come from a larger uh, boat that sailed that were in the distance. It was a smaller boat. But as she swam out from under the boat, she was looking at it, and there were uh, men in the boat. And suddenly she had this fear that there was danger, and she needed to get out of there, even though she didn't have any idea what this thing was. So as she was swimming away from it, they must have seen her. And at that time, the best she could describe it was that they heard her, and they, she said they stabbed her. Well, they, sometimes they only use the words that they can find when you're in this type of uh, life, of uh, personality or body. I assumed it was probably harpooned, but she was crying, and she said, why did they hurt me? Why did they do that? I wasn't bothering anyone. I was just swimming around. I haven't done anything to anyone. Why did they hurt me? So then they tied ropes to her and tied her to the side of the boat and took her back to the larger boat. And I guess they proceeded to to cut her up. And she kept saying, I don't want to watch this. I, I don't want to watch what they're doing to my body. So we moved her away from that. But one of the reasons this woman had come to see me was she had been having back problems for a long time. And it was causing, now it was causing numbness down her arms and into her hands to where it was difficult to sleep at night and sometimes hard to do her work because it made it hard to handle things and grasp things because the numbness in the hands and the arms. So the reason, when I get to sub subconscious and it tells me the reasons for these lives, they showed her this, was as this whale... When they began cutting on it, they cut it down the spine. And she was still alive when they did that. The whale was not dead at that time. So she brought forward the trauma of seeing this happen down the spine and was carrying that with her into this present lifetime. I've had many other people who have had uh, back problems and usually would be caused from a fall. There are just so many, many ways that you could injure your back in other lives, a fall, a war, many different things. This was the first time I had it going back to a life as an animal and carrying over this far into this present lifetime of being the, the watching her, them cut down the spine. Well, in my work, then, we set about to cure the problem, heal the problem, the subconscious says, and now that she knew what caused it, it could go away because it was unnecessary. So it took away, and she wasn't going to have any problems with it anymore. Because what's the use of having the problem once you have found out what's causing it? To find out what causes it, it goes away because it's totally unnecessary. This is how much the mind controls the body. But I've had others who have gone to see creatures. Many of them have been like dolphin-like creatures. 
and they really enjoyed that. One man, he didn't know what he was in the beginning because he kept saying, I see everything blurry. And he figured out what it was. First he said it was dark, and then he was beginning to see light, and it was like blurry. Then it dawned on him, he said, I'm underneath the water. He said, have you ever been under the water looking up and watching the sun shine through the water? And I said, I've never done it, but I can kind of visualize what it would be like. Because he said it was like looking a ripple effect as the sun shone through the water. And he said, I'm floating now on top of the water. And he said, I've been asleep. And he was floating on his back. And out of the one eye, it was dark on this one side. But it was night. And on the other eye, he could see the sun coming up. So he had also, like the eagle did, he had a 90 degrees, I guess that is. He could see the much more than we could see. Completely, all the way around, he could see on both sides. And uh, here again, how do we know what a fish sees? And he was watching this out of the one eye, it was still night, and out of the other eye, it was the sun rising. And he was also enjoying himself. It was a wonderful thing. No have to do anything. He just floated around and swam and eat fish. There was nothing he had to do, no place he had to be. It was kind of like a paradise to some people, I think. But when I was in Hawaii in February this last year, 2005, I was talking to this man who was taking people out to swim with the dolphins. He's, he's an expert on it. He's an, a Hawaiian, and he said he has been with the dolphins all his life. He said a lot of people don't realize that when a dolphin is asleep in the water, they keep one eye open the whole time. And sometimes they will alternate which eye it is. This is in case of danger. They don't want to go to sleep altogether because of predators. So they will keep one eye open as they're sleeping. I thought that was very interesting, and maybe it would explain why uh, the one eye, he could see darkness, but it was also because the sun was rising. So this was fascinating with this man being the dolphin. But I had another woman come to me. This woman, uh, she looked a walking skeleton. She was so thin. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She had no uh, no fat on her at all. I mean, it was just like skin over bones, and she looked terrible. And she said that she had almost died three times, and the doctor said there was something wrong with every organ in her body. They couldn't understand how she was even alive. 
And she'd almost died three times, so I told her, well, apparently it's not your time to go yet if you haven't died during those things. But she was very unhappy, very depressed, and uh, you can imagine just a very miserable person. So when I took her back, she went to a lifetime where she was a sea creature. But she was on a water planet where it was just nothing but water. There was no land. She was on this water planet, and she was creature in the water. And it was similar to a dolphin, probably as close as you could get, as close as she could describe. And it was just wonderful, floating around and swimming in complete freedom. Didn't have any responsibilities at all, and it was just a wonderful life. Well, as it happens in many of these cases, they stay too long as one species, as one creature, I guess you would say. The lesson has been learned a long time ago, but they're enjoying themselves so much that they don't want to leave that life. So they would rather stay there enjoying complete freedom. Well, the powers that be would have to intervene in a case like that because it would be like, okay, you're not learning anything. You learned all what it's like to be this sea creature. Now you're going to have to go with a life that has more responsibility, more a life where something else is happening to learn you a different kind of lesson. So she was taken out of the sea world, her soul, her spirit, and she was put into the human body. Through a succession, she ended up in this body she had now. Well, when we got to the subconscious part, it was very obvious she was extremely unhappy. She didn't want to be a human. She didn't want to have the responsibility. She longed for the freedom that she had as the sea creature. It was not what she wanted. She didn't want to be a human being confined to a body. So, what was she trying to do? She was trying to destroy the body she was living in. Not consciously. All of this always happens on a subconscious level. She was trying to destroy the body that she was living in by making something happen to all of the organs in the body, hoping that eventually she would be able to get out of the body. Then as I was talking to her about it, I said, well, then what? You can't go on until you have learned the lesson that you're here for. Don't learn the lesson. You're going to have to repeat it. You don't get out of this school that easily. You're going to have to repeat it again. Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to do it right the first time? And then you won't have to come back and do it again, and maybe the next life will be better. Maybe you'll have it easier. Maybe you'll have more what you expect. But there's no sense in trying to get out of it that soon. So after a lot of arguing, I finally got her to agree, all right, I can't go back to being the freedom-loving the creature that she longed to be. I'm going to have to be a human. And she was going to have to learn the lessons of a human. And then she agreed, all right, then I will do this. But people don't realize all of this until they wake up and we talk about it. And then I give them the tape and they listen to the tape. But in this case, I had to go back to the city 
few months, I think it was about maybe three or four months later, to speak at a Unity Church in that area. And she came to see me again, and she looked a lot different. She was finally beginning to put on some some fat, not fat, you know what I mean. She was beginning to fill out this skeleton-type body. She was beginning to look more human, and she said she was feeling a lot better, and the organs were operating the way they were supposed to. Of course, the doctors say it was probably the medicine they were giving her was finally beginning to take effect. But at least it showed she was accepting the fact she was going to have to stay here. She was going to have to be a human. It was going to be gradual because there was so much damage had been done to all the organs. So each one had to be repaired little by little and slowly. Some of these things cannot be done immediately because it would be tra- too traumatic to the body. I've had instantaneous cures, but many of them have to be done slowly. In this case, it had to be. There was no other way uh, the body could begin to function again. So these were cases where these people were fun-loving creatures. <laughs> well, after you go through all of the lives of being plants, of being animals, In between those lives are the um, nature spirits, the ones who take care of the plants and the ones that take care of the animals. These are called the little people, the fairies, the leprechauns, the gnomes. All of these are very real. They're the ones that care of the plants and the animals, and we have them in every culture in the world. Every culture in the world has nature spirits. They call them dryads, nymphs, whatever you want to call them. They all have nature spirits that take care of the plants and the animals. Now, we have all been these things, too. We have all been the fairies and the elves, the ones that take care of nature. And I was told one time, it said, don't discredit the importance of the nature spirits the fairies, and the little people. Because when the earth changes come, they will have a very important role in helping the world adjust as they get to that point. So we have all been these many different things. After you move, and I've had people go to lifetimes when they were fairies and taking care of nature. So it's like nothing is a surprise. (laughs) But after you have gone through the lives of being the animals, then you have to go to being a human. Now, the animals have a different type of a soul than the human does. I found the animals are more considered to be a group soul, much like a herd of cattle, a hive of bees, or a colony of ants. They move as a unit. They think as a unit. So, in order to become human, you have to move out of that group soul. You have to pull away from that group soul. How do you do that? How do you pull away so you can evolve into a human being and begin to go up the ladder? It's all done through love. Love is the answer to everything. If you take a dog or a cat, any other animal, remove it from the herd, the group soul, 
bring it into your home, look for it, you give it a personality, you give it an individuality, you pull it away from the group, you make it become an individual, a personality. By doing that, you are doing wonderful things for that animal because the next time it is reincarnated, it will be as a human. You're pulling it away from the group soul, which may not be a good thing because then you get into the humans, you have a lot of lessons to learn also. But uh, I think that's going to be enough for tonight. When we get into the human lessons, it can even be more complicated. I thought I wasn't going to have enough time to cover all of this because there's a lot of other lives you can live besides these. But I think it's important to know about these. If we all understood we are part of everything, we have been everything, we have been the air, the earth, all parts of nature, we have been the plants, we have been the animals, then we can see we are all one. All of nature, all of the environment, we are all one. We are not separate. I think if we realize this, we would take better care of our world. We would take better care of the environment because we realize it is us. We're not separate from it. Anything that damages nature damages us because we are all one. I found the earth itself is a living being, and it responds in pain with what's being done to it. But they said it's just like a dog, fleas, eventually it's going to shake off the fleas if you irritate it too much, which is what is happening right now with the earthquakes and the tsunamis and the volcanic eruptions. The earth has had enough, and we're going into earth changes. But all of these are topics for future talks anyway. <laughs> but I think I have uh, covered enough tonight, and then we'll see what's going to happen next week. All right. But anyone who wants to contact me can do so with our website, www.ozarkmt.com. The name of my company is Ozark Mountain Publishing. So it's abbreviated on our website, O-Z-A-R-K-M-T dot com. And you can look on there on the schedules and see where I'll be speaking and about the classes and the different things that are going on. You can also call the office. All the books are listed on the website, too, but you can call the office at 1-800-935-0000. 1-800-935-0045 or you can contact me directly with email at decanon c-a-n-n-o-n at m-s-n dot com if you want to find out about sessions private sessions I have an office here in Huntsville, Arkansas or if you want to find out about the classes. All right, let's have a good evening. Good night. You have been listening to BBS Radio, a blogandservice.com production and a service to others endeavor. Thank you very much for tuning in to our radio program, and we wish you much peace and joy on your journey.